just for a moment, if you would open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 28. Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. Those of you in the overflow this morning, God bless you. Welcome to worship Easter Sunday morning. We love you. Delighted to open the word of God with you together. I just want to talk about Jesus for a few minutes. I, I talk about him a lot. I don't have to tell you all that. Uh, but not just when I'm at church, and, and you should know that as well. I, I talk about Jesus wherever I go. Uh, there's a lady in my life, uh, actually a good friend of mine. We talk about nearly everything, she and I. Uh, there's just not much that we don't. But whenever I talk about my faith, whenever I bring Jesus into the conversation, she always says, now, Tim, um, I think some things are private. And it's really funny because she, she's told me things that I thought were really private. Uh, but, but she'll say, you know, I think that a person's religion is private and personal, and, and I don't think you should talk about that. It's really interesting, because nobody could agree more. I believe that a person's religion is very, very personal and important. I, I really do believe that. But I also need to explain to you a little bit why it's so important that we talk about Jesus. And, and if you are one of those people who are, are not a Christian or new to church, perhaps you've wondered why Christians are different, why it is that we want to talk so much about something that, that you consider very personal and, and private. Maybe I can clear that up for you. As you understand, there are nations of the world where there is no freedom of religion at all, but there are also a number of countries where there is freedom of religion. Uh, people can worship God completely as they, free, as they feel, feel, feel free to do so. However, they are not free to do what they call proselytize. Now, there are countries where people are free to worship, but you're not free to try to convert others to, to your faith, to, to your religion. And Christians always end up on the wrong side of the law when you make laws against proselytization or evangelism, as we call it. When you make laws against telling other people about Jesus, somehow Christians always become outlaws. And that is simply because we, we must talk about him. We must do this in order to be faithful. And I want you to understand a little bit about it, and we're going to look at the scripture in order to, to, to understand. Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to start there at the beginning so you get the Easter story and then jump all the way to the end. Those last verses are the verses I want to call your attention to today. But Matthew chapter 28, this is the Easter story if it's new to you. This is after the crucifixion of Jesus. He was put on the cross and crucified on, on Friday, and now it's early on Sunday morning. So here we go. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. Okay, now stop. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a bedtime story. Understand, this is what happened. A great earthquake, an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow, blinding. You get this picture, it's just blinding light. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said he would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Now jump down to verse 16. 
Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, even to the end of the world. I'm with you, Jesus. Pastor uh, was working with a very young, very inexperienced youth minister. I wish Matt Betts were here today. A very young and inexperienced youth minister. And he wanted to see this young man grow as a minister. And so the pastor called him in his office one day and said, Son, I'd like you to bring the sermon next Sunday. I want you to preach next Sunday. And this kid said, no, please, no, no, no. Pastor, don't ask me to do that. I can't do that. Pastor said, no, I I believe you can. I believe that you just need to try. And if you do it, you're going to succeed. I just want to know, no, please, Pastor, no. The young man said, no, don't make me do this. Pastor said, no, next Sunday, you're going to preach. So next Sunday, the youth minister, he stepped into the pulpit. His knees were knocking. His hands were trembling. His voice was shaking. And and he got up to the congregation. He was quiet for a long time. And then he looked out and said, do you all know what I'm going to say? People shook their heads. No, no, no. They don't know he's going to say no. He said, neither do I. (laughs) Let's stand to be dismissed with prayer. Oh, yes, he did. And it's funny to everybody but the pastor who called him back in his office and said, young man, I understand that you're afraid. I understand that this is new to you, but that's not acceptable. You you can't do that. Now, I want you to do that again next week. No, pastor, please, I can't. He said, no, I I want you to preach. Next Sunday, you're really going to preach. I want you in the pulpit. I want you prepared, and I want you to deliver an actual, no, no, pastor, please, I can't do it. Please don't ask me. No, you're going to deliver an actual sermon. I want you in the pulpit. This time, you're really going to do it. So next Sunday, he stepped back in the pulpit. Crowd was there again. They remember last week now. So the youth minister gets back in the pulpit. His knees are knocking. He's same thing. Knees are knocking. His hands are filling. His voice is shaking. He stood there a long time without looking up, and he looked up at the people and said, do y'all know what I'm going to say? Now, this time they remember last week, so they all nod their heads. Yeah, we think we know what you're going to say. He said, well, good. Let's stand to be dismissed with prayer. That's two weeks in a row. Okay, this time the pastor is furious, furious. He calls him in the office and said, you have made a mockery of the pulpit. You have made a mockery of preaching, and it's not acceptable. Next Sunday, you're going to preach, and if you don't manage to preach, you're going to look for another job, okay? Please, no, please. He said, please, I can't do it, Pastor. I just can't do it. No, you're going to do it next Sunday. Next Sunday, young man stepped back in the pulpit. Same thing. I mean, his knees are knocking. His hands are trembling. His voice is shaking. He said, there a long time. That same thing. He looked up, and he said... Y'all know what I'm about to say? Okay, now they're confused. So half the congregation shook their heads, yes, we think we do. The other half said, no, we're not sure what you're going to say. So half are saying yes, the other half are saying no. So the young man said, well, 
Why don't those of you who know tell those of you who don't know? Let's stand and be dismissed with prayer. Now, he stumbled into it, but he managed to say very clearly what the purpose of the church is. Understand me? He didn't do it on purpose. God blessed him. He managed to say exactly what the purpose of the church is, exactly why we are all here, so that those of us who know can tell those who don't know about Jesus. Those of us who know are supposed to tell those who don't know about Jesus. Now, you may ask why. Why Jesus? Why this man? Why this religion? Why is it that Christians feel so compelled to talk so much about Jesus? Because it really is unique in all the world, unique in all the world religions. The way that Christians feel so obligated and compelled and excited to tell people who don't know about Jesus about Jesus. Well, look at this passage with me. You just got to begin to let the truth of this sink in. Go back with me to verse 16. The 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Okay, stop. You've got to let that sink in. They're following the instructions of a man named Jesus who had died. He had died. Now, maybe in your life you've ran into people who talk to dead people. I'm telling you, they were crazy. Those people were crazy. But these 11 men are either crazy or suddenly knowing something that the rest of the world has yet to come to know. That Jesus is alive. That he's alive. They're following the instructions of a man whom they saw die. Now, I know that some people in the world, there's a very large, large religion that teaches that Jesus didn't really die, that he just sort of, he just sort of went unconscious on the cross, but once he went into the tomb and it was cool, he revived and walked out. Oh, 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 please, you've got to understand the situation. Jesus was crucified on a cross by Roman soldiers. They were professional executioners. They made sure that he was dead. Do you remember, as the story goes, as they were trying to make sure that they finished their job by the end of the day, they broke their legs. They stabbed him in the side. They made sure that the men hanging on the crosses were dead. They stabbed Jesus in the side. Blood and water gushed, and Jesus was dead. He was dead. They saw him dead. But now they're listening to his instructions and looking for him because they know he's alive. Now, they don't know he's alive because somebody told them. In, in the Bible, in the Easter story, people don't necessarily believe it just because somebody tells them. They only believe when they see him, when they meet him. And the 11 disciples have seen him now. They've met him. They've talked to him. They don't understand it. They can't describe it. But Jesus, who was dead, is now alive. So everything that follows in this passage, everything that Jesus says, you've got to understand, this is a very unique man who's speaking. He is the man, the only one who's ever died and then come back to life. He died, and then he came back. You can't explain that. You can't possibly explain that away. People don't die and come back. The very definition of death is that death is the irreversible cessation of bodily functions. And the key word there is irreversible. It's irreversible. 
Now, if it's reversible, it ain't dead. It's just broke. Understand? If it's reversible, it ain't dead. It's just sick. But death is irreversible. People who die don't come back. But they see him alive. And Jesus, who is alive, appears to these men on this day. And he says, I have been given all authority. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. All authority. Now, what does this mean? All authority first in heaven. That means in heaven there is no one higher than Jesus. That's why you'll notice the disciples, they worship him. There's only one that you worship, and that is God. And the disciples, they worship Jesus because Jesus is God. All authority in heaven is his. Yes, we're making this claim about one who came and walked on the earth as a man, but that man was God in the flesh. And we know this because that man died and came back to life. No one else has ever done that. No one else ever will until Jesus calls my name and your name and we will come out of the grave just like him. He can do that because he has all authority. All authority in heaven and all authority on earth. That means he is higher than every king. He is higher than every president. He is higher than your mother-in-law. He is higher than anybody you can name. He has all authority. Understand that. No one like him. No one like him. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth, he says. Therefore, speaking to his disciples, go. You go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So so this is who Jesus is. What is Jesus doing? What does he want? Well, very simply, He wants to save the world. Jesus wants to save the world. Now understand, notice the very last words of this passage. Be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Now I don't want to ruin your Easter Sunday by telling you the bad news, but the bad news is the world is going to end. I'm not saying I know when, I I, I know least about it than anybody, I don't know. All I know is it doesn't go on like this forever. It doesn't. The one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, the one who's been to the other side and and, and has come back, he's the one who says the world's going to end. It's not going to continue like this forever. We don't know how much time we have. We just know that that the world has a beginning and the world has an end. Now, I don't know if you and I will even be alive when the world ends, and that's even the worst news for you. The truth is your world could end before the rest of the world ends. You have no idea how much time you have. I don't either. But this is what Jesus says. You can be sure of this. The world has an end to it. The world has an end. And understand, the one who says that is the one who's been there and has come back. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows what he's talking about. He has all authority, remember? 
The, the world has an end. It, it's going to end. And in this end of all things, recognize Jesus is going to make everything right. You wonder why the world is so broken. You wonder why the world is so bloody and violent. You wonder why the world is, is so wicked. This is the point. Jesus knows how wicked the world is. Jesus sees how broken the world is. And he's going to come and make everything right. That's the good news. He's going to make everything right in the world. He's going to make it all new. He's going to punish the wicked. He's going to reward the righteous. He's going to call all of the dead out of the graves. Do you understand? It's going to happen one day. He's going to make everything right that is wrong. Problem is, you and me, we're, we're, we're mixed up in this. We're mixed up in this. We live in this world. And when we get all excited about thinking about when God makes everything right that's wrong, we forget that we're probably on the wrong side of that. When we start thinking about Jesus coming to, to, to make everything right with the world, we've got to remember that we're part of what's wrong with the world. We're not on the right side of this. So understand, when I say that Jesus wants to save the world, it's the world of people that he loves. He wants to save people. Before the end, before it's too late, before your time runs out, he wants to begin changing and making right what's wrong with you. This is what we mean when we say Jesus is the Savior of the world, certainly the entire world, all the nations of the world. But don't miss the point that it's very personal and very private. We're talking about your heart. Jesus wants to save not just the world, but he wants to save you. Jesus wants to save you. You look around at the world and you see how violent the world is. Well, don't you understand? As Jesus is going to change and save the world, he's got to start with, with people like me and you. He's got to start taking the violence and the anger out of hearts like my angry heart and like your angry heart. When, when you think about Jesus making the world safe and, and making the world peaceful, he's got to somehow bring peace to hearts like mine and peace to hearts like yours. You, you understand? You look at how mean the world is, and certainly Jesus wants the world to be kind, but he starts with people. He starts with individuals. Jesus is saving the world person by person, person by person. And that means he wants to start saving the world by starting with you. He wants to go to work in your heart. He wants to take everything that's wrong in you and make it right. He wants to take the sin in you, the, the rebellion. He wants to take that part of you that even you don't like. He wants to take that part of you and, and get rid of that part and bring to life a new person in you. Do you understand? This is what we mean when we say that Jesus wants to save you. He wants to save you. He wants to save the whole world, but he's going to do it one person at a time. So this is the amazing part. Those of us who know Jesus, those of us who have experienced the living Christ, honestly, I don't necessarily take other people's word for it. The reason I believe that Jesus lives is because I experience his life in my life. In a moment like this in church or when you're very quiet sometimes or maybe when you're in your bed before you fall asleep and you start to think, don't you ever feel that, that heavy-heartedness? Don't you ever sense that voice calling you? 
ever experienced God in his presence, God in his spirit? Do you understand? This is what we're talking about. This is Jesus coming to you. The Bible says he comes to every heart and he knocks. It's like he knocks on the door of your heart. Have you ever experienced that? In a moment like this even, when, when, when the topic of conversation turns to Jesus or you begin to think about Jesus or spiritual things or your life and you begin to have this sense that, that God is at the very door of your heart, that, that he's knocking, that, that there's something he wants from you. This is what I'm talking about. This is how it happens for many of us. Jesus, it's like he comes and knocks on the door of our heart. Now understand, a dead man can't do that. He, he lives. He lives. And he wants your life. He knocks on the door of your heart like he wants something because what he really wants is it's not so much to take something from you. He wants to give everything to you. He, he wants to save you. And all you must do is want to be saved. You got to want him and, and then open the door and, and let him in. Now remember the one you're letting in. The Jesus that comes to you is the one with all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth. And so recognize he, he, he is above all thrones, above all powers. He is God. So if you let him in your heart, understand that there are no real terms of relationship here other than you're going to obey him. It's the only way to be in relationship with Christ. You understand he has all authority. And so the only way to be his follower, the only way to be his disciple, the only way to be a Christian is by coming, surrendering to him recognizing that he is going to be Lord and you're going to be his servant. You're going to obey him. It's exactly what he says there. Teach these new disciples to obey me. This is the way you come. You recognize who he is. You recognize his power. And you recognize that he doesn't just come to tidy up your life a little bit. He comes to take over. It's all authority in heaven and on earth, and that means he has all authority over you. He alone is in the position to command your life. So you've got to recognize that he comes to be Lord. He comes to be the master of you. He, he's going to take over, and, and you must surrender to him. But I'm just telling you, you want to surrender to him. You, you want to surrender to him. You ever walked into your, your kid's school or maybe walked into the church nursery or someplace like that or you had a babysitter and when you come home, you get the idea, oh my goodness, the wrong one is in control here. You ever been in those situations where the kids have kind of taken over and the kids are orangutans and they've got the teacher or the babysitter tied up and shoved in the bed and think, oh my goodness, somebody's got to come in and, and, and get control of this place. You understand? That's how your life is. See, as long as you're in control, we've got the orangutan in control here. As long as you're in control, your life is going to be chaotic. Your life is never going to go where you feel like your life should go because only Jesus is in the position to command and control your life. Surrender to him. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me, Jesus said. Surrender to him. And then understand, that this is the important part. When you come to him, you become a part of this great work that he's doing to save the whole world. You become a part of that. 
You're not just a bystander. We don't just come to church after that and have a lot of potlucks and and read the Bible a lot and dress up in in, in suits and ties and Easter bonnets and and we just wait for him to come back and for the world to end. No, once we come to him, then we join in the work that he's doing, the work to save the world. And our job is simple. Our job is simply to tell people, just to tell people about Jesus because people need to know People need to know that time is running out. People need to know that the world has an end. People need to know that there is a God who loves them enough to send his son Jesus to die on the cross to save them. People need to know that God still loves them. And people need to know that Jesus died so that their sins could be forgiven. You need to know that your sins are forgiven. You need to know that you do not have to live with guilt and shame. You need to know that you do not have to live your life as an addict. You do not have to live your life as a victim. You do not have to live your life in shame. Jesus has come to save you. That's good news. That's good news. And the people in your life deserve to hear it. They deserve to hear it. People in your family, they deserve to hear about Jesus from you. Don't you love Jesus? Haven't you experienced what Jesus brings into your life? Don't you know the peace of praying, knowing that your prayers are, are going straight to God's throne because of what Jesus has done? Don't you enjoy that peace? Don't you love that feeling of love and, and confidence that comes in knowing that your life is in God's hands? Don't you love knowing that? Don't you think other people deserve to know that that's available? Don't you think they deserve to know that there is a power over death, a power over sin? Don't you think that the world deserves to know that Jesus lives? See, you're a part of this. You're a part of it. If you're one of those who doesn't know who Jesus is or doesn't know what Jesus can do, then I want to tell you about him. I want you to know him. And if you're one of those who knows Jesus, then let's let those of us who know Jesus tell those who don't know about Jesus. Pray with me. Jesus, oh Jesus, if it were not for Easter, if it were not for the empty tomb, if it were not for the knowledge that you live, this very act of praying would be foolish. There'd be no one there to listen. But Jesus, we know, we know that you are the Son of God. We know that you are who you said that you are. We know, Lord Jesus, that you live because you live and you reign and you come and and, and your presence is with us and your word points to the truth that you live. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for all that you have done for us. Words can't even begin to express all you have done. Now, Lord, I pray for those in this house, those in the sound of my voice, who do not know you, who've never encountered 
you alive and powerful and knocking on the door of their heart. Lord Jesus, I pray that in this very moment, you'll just begin to knock and speak. Lord Jesus, I pray in this moment your Holy Spirit will bring the conviction of truth, gospel truth today. That those who have never believed before will begin to believe that you alone are God. I pray, Lord, for hard hearts. I pray for those, Lord, so addicted, so trapped in their sin, Lord, that they feel like forgiveness is impossible. Lord Jesus, I pray that today they understand the power that you bring to separate us from all that ruins our lives. Lord Jesus, you are alive, and you are living in this place and in our hearts. Lord Jesus, reach out to those today who have never surrendered to you. Overwhelm them with your love. Overwhelm them with the desire to belong to you, to know you. Help every lost, broken heart today, Lord Jesus, to say yes to you, to believe, and help all of us as believers, Lord, to love to tell, to love to talk, to never stop talking until the whole world comes to know you. We pray these things in your living and wonderful name, Jesus. Amen.